Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He's, he's now in his third term, but um, uh, although he hasn't canceled elections, but he's, he's fiddled with the Constitution in all sorts of creative ways. Um, but Yeltsin, Yeltsin wasn't like that, but he, but he certainly didn't want to go to prison. So the idea was that they would, would put somebody uh, they could play uh, in the president's chair. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. Shame on you. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. And here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? You didn't know this kid, okay? We did it. They're looking for help. We call BS. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. Well, Governor, we also have fewer forces and bayonets because the nature of our military has changed. We have these things called aircraft carriers where planes land on them. When we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Someone loyal who could who prevent... The prosecu- uh, Yeltsin's prosecution. And because I think 
Berezovsky was uh, fancied himself so much at Kingmaker, uh, he didn't consider the fact that picking a KGB man for this job might be dangerous uh, or anything else. He, I think he just thought it was such a brilliant scheme. He, he was. He, put, he pulled this guy out of obscurity and made him president. And and the man he pulls out of obscurity, a lot of people I've talked about, I've talked to, and, and a lot of things I've read, this man is, everyone says, I met him, he was sort of gray, he was sort of boring, he was completely unobtrusive, or he was a kind of BSer who would bring flowers to, to, to people and just self-aggrandizing in uh, uh, lots of ways. Uh, is, that the, is that the man that Berezovsky moves up? So Berezovsky perceived him as uh, a decent man for some reason. And uh, when I asked Berezovsky about it, he said, well, there was one time that I needed to open an office in St. Petersburg, and Putin didn't take a, take a bribe. I mean, that, that is a pretty low benchmark, uh, especially because we have plenty of information about Putin taking bribes uh, under other circumstances. And then at another time when Berezovsky was uh, sort of on the outs with the power elites, Putin brought a flower, uh, brought flowers to, to his wife's birthday party. Uh, loyalty is very much sort of something that he cultivates as, as, as a part of his image, and, and that's, um, that's something that Berezovsky also valued. I mean, it's a very Soviet uh, trait, especially Soviet male trait, to, to value loyalty in a country that had sort of given up all principles as such. Personal loyalty was very much the currency of, 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 of public men. Um, and um, uh, other than that, there was nothing to say about this man, not that he was smart, not that he was skilled, not that he had any kind of relevant experience, uh, not that he was liked or likable. I mean, he spoke a foreign language, uh, which made him sort of European. He wasn't a drunk, unlike Yeltsin, which was a relief. But that's about it. And then everybody projected onto him whatever they wanted to. Um, people projected onto him this idea that he was going to be a Democrat and an economic reformer. And the, the American press ran with those projections. And Why? Because we were hungry for that? We wanted to believe that having the Soviet Union having collapsed, it was now, and we spent so much money and time and energy in the Yeltsin years that we had really started something and the green shoots of democracy were finally yielding a, a new young Russian? I think so. I think that uh, American correspondents, uh, I mean, foreign correspondents tend to sort of perpetuate narratives. And, uh, and the Russian narrative was uh, the victory of democracy, the end of history, uh, the triumph of popular will, that sort of thing. So a young guy who speaks a foreign language f uh, fits into that narrative as long as you ignore everything else about him. Well, you wrote this amazing, this wonderful little sentence about him being sleek and trim and in European cut suits, and it made him look like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the way Pierre Trudeau used to look in, in, in Canada. Right. I wouldn't go quite as far as Pierre Trudeau, but um, well, but yes, he had um, he had a way about him that seemed different from those central committee men. And um, Yeltsin was also not quite a central committee man, but he did wear these gray suits, baggy gray suits. They were like the 
the the the the, the Politburo cut suit, and um, and Putin had a, a different cut of suit. What's interesting is that now he wears those baggy suits with uh, with pants that are like eight inches too long, but uh, uh, but he didn't used to. He actually, he, he wore these expensive well-cut suits. He, he is an information warrior in that sense. He's making an image, as you've already articulated, he's making an image of himself. It's almost like you're right. He, he creates a, a Numina-like effect about himself, and then we can all project onto him whatever we want. I mean, I don't know how willful it is, uh, because actually the interviews that he gave uh, when he was acting president. So uh, Yeltsin resigned on December 31st, 1999, making Putin, the fairly new prime minister, he'd only been in office for four months, making him the acting president and a shoo-in in an early presidential election. Thank you for, Thank listening, you for listening to Public, to Public Access, Access America. America. Produced by Public Access Pod. Discover great new playlists on SoundCloud at, at Public, Public Access, Access America. America. Discover our catalog of vintage videos on YouTube at, at Public, Public Access, Access America. America. And finally, finally, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And that was very much part of the idea of, of resigning on December 31st. But Putin has, still has no public persona, so a media team was assembled very quickly, and he sat down for interviews with them six times with three journalists, and they wrote a book uh, that's still available called In the First Person. And if you read that book closely, there's nothing in there about his being a European. There's nothing in, in there about his uh, appreciation for democracy. Basically, he's projecting one main sort of myth about himself, which is that he's a thug, the uh, the story that he keeps telling over and over again, and that his friends tell the sort of the the, the vetted stories by friends in the book, are all stories about Putin getting into fights, and they all unfold according to the same scenario. He um, uh, he lashes out when he feels wronged, and then he quiets down, and everybody thinks it's over. And then when they least expect it, he lunges again. So. Now, Masha, what did that tell you about him? Well, this is a, a story about a man who is, who's vengeful, and he wants us to know that he's vengeful. And he's aggressive, and he's reckless, because he talks about how he got into a fight like that um, as a young officer. He got into a street fight over, the, I don't remember, it was a the, the tram ticket or something like that, a bus ticket. So. Um, and he points out that he was risking his career. If, as a KGB officer, he had been, uh, it had been discovered that he got into a street, bra- street brawl, that would have probably killed his chances for a foreign po- posting. So he has so much trouble controlling his temper that he, can, that he will risk everything that he's worked for in life for an opportunity to eventually lash out. That's at least the story he wants to tell. That's the story he wants to tell, and he's certainly acted in accordance with that. Well, since exactly then. right. I mean, this is, this is a, he's basically creating an image all yes. the way along about himself, yeah. which is uh, very interesting. We, we passed by when he's at the FSB 
a story that I don't want to spend very much time on because we just can't, and it's unknown, which is the apartment bombings, right. uh, unknown whether he had a hand in it. Regardless of whether he did it or not, he certainly took advantage of the sad occasion of the, of the bombing of those apartments. Tell me how he took advantage of it. So within three weeks of his appointment as prime minister, uh, a series of terrorist attacks starts happening in, in, in Russia. Uh, first, there are small sort of incidents, and then there are several large apartment bombings. Uh, in the south of Russia and then in Moscow, and especially the ones in Moscow are just shocking to the uh, uh, to the country, and the country at the time I think felt very much. I w it so happens that I was there during those bombings, and then I was here in New York on 9/11, uh, and I think the mood was was largely similar. Um, it's uh, because the spectacle of, of 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 all of it, right? The fact that these bombs went off in uh, uh, in the wee hours of the morning. So everybody's home asleep in their beds. And these, these uh, large apartment blocks just folded in on themselves, burying these people alive or dead, uh, but burying everybody in the building. Uh, and the fact that these are, were just standard apartment blocks, so so many people in Russia watching that on television could imagine themselves so easily in their beds, because those beds were just like their beds, and those buildings were just like their buildings, and those families were just like their families, right? Uh, and and these were clearly uh, explosions designed for the maximum number of casualties, and that's why you would have a, a bomb go off at like five in the morning, right? Um, when no one has gotten up yet, but everyone has already come home, who's, who's going to come home, and everyone has gone to bed. Um, so all of Russia, I think, identified with the, uh, with, with the people who died. Everybody was afraid. Everybody started, uh, everybody was in shock. People started um, watching out for uh, strangers, uh, anybody who might be planting uh, explosives in their buildings. Um, and then suddenly Putin emerges. This prime minister, that most people don't even remember his name because there have been so many prime ministers in the last couple of years. Keep moving forward. 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 Keep mo